On your sick chair, though. <laughs> I'm standing. You're standing. All right. Hello, everybody. We're going to pull it down just a little bit because you've probably already heard it by now. Zach, you hit it on the head. Who we got here? Who, who's, our, who's our intro today? That is the number 50 for the St. Louis Cardinals, Adam Wainwright, today at the home opener singing the national anthem. What a surprise. Such a cool such a cool thing. Do you think uh, uh, Tweet Rowan, so he's out for four weeks, whatever they call it. Does he sing this if he's starting today? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Let's see if he hits it. Oh. There's a little, a little, little flub, but not, nothing. I mean, for a guy who's been pitching His for a long crit. time uh, and not singing national anthems i think he did a pretty good job now i will say this is the slowest national anthem oh, i've I was ever that. heard in my life no when i pulled it up to play today i'm like oh yeah you know because it's all pieces of it and then i looked at the time length on it, i'm like holy shit <laughs> you know that much time no <laughs> could he have been a baritone uh, could he would he have made the cut based on this audition here we go. Let's hear it. Some, some work. He's going to take okay. it home. And I, I love how the guitar players are only playing slow strolls. There we go. Oh. <laughs> All right, people. Don't say blues. Right. You can hear a little of the blues in there. Yeah, there Does you the go. flyover help him? Does the, the U.S. So. Air Force flyover help him? I Let's, think so. Well, let yeah. me ask you guys this. You know, if we were to speculate, um, Adam's been on the mound for some of Cardinal Baseball's most you know, amazing moments yeah, ever, right? Yep. yep. I venture a guess that he's never been more nervous in his life than he was for those two minutes. Uh, yeah. Than he was for any inning it's, to close out a game. Singing in front of people on its own is terrifying singing the national anthem in front of people is extremely terrifying from a music guy is is it was it true what they say is the national anthem one of the hardest songs yeah to sing? because there's not really a melody there's no cadence to the words and so that's why you see so many people flub it up because what about <laughs> whitney houston and tampa State? still the best no, I, no uh chris stapleton stapleton did a great no. job at the super bowl but yeah death whitney, match whitney stapleton kills whitney oh my gosh it's not even close <laughs> no. i mean it's not right. whitney houston let's go yeah let's let's get it going we are the capital t capital h capital e soccer dad pod <laughs> um we are back for another episode today's guest is literally part of the institution that is St. Louis soccer and you're going to love this one but you got to wait through a couple more minutes of our mindless banter before we get to him <laughs> and he's and he's fine with that he's he's laughing most people are like well, no I'm out but he's he's good with that um for now th- yeah thank you thank you all for continuing to listen to the show I mean it's just uh, the people reaching out messaging us uh, we're humbled by uh, the incredible feedback this early in the game uh, with the stories that some of our guests are telling. Uh, and speaking of our last episode was, I mean, it was it was literally, you know, I, I, I think I re- typed it out as, this is one of the Mount Everest 
in St. Louis soccer, and that was Brad Davis, uh, former six-time MLS All-Star, World Cup uh, starter versus Germany, Gold Cup uh, winning PK, uh, Chaminade grad, SLU, uh, university two-year starter. I mean, top. Mediocre at ping pong. Mediocre at ping pong. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the exchange students took, took him out at the knees. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was just a tremendous conversation. Um, that one in particular, if you are a soccer parent, um, regardless of whatever level your child is at, boy, girl, et cetera, uh, rec, CYC to Academy and beyond, it really is an episode you'd want to listen to because of the humble approach to how he views the game and specifically his relationship with his son. Uh, it was just incredibly enlightening. Um, I was surprised, and I think Zach, you, you clearly you were there. Yeah, uh, I, I was really impressed with his candor. Um, somebody in his position at a very prestigious and well-known soccer club here in St. Louis to come out and and be open and honest and humble and just, approachable. Yes, he was. He was so so great with you and I, um, and wanted. To dive into those kind of yeah. uncomfortable subjects and the feedback we've gotten and i brad if you're listening i i really appreciate it because the feedback we're getting is i needed that yeah we have those conversations all the time it was enlightening it helped me um you know i've heard that from a couple different parents that it was great to hear a story from somebody of that ilk um going through something you know that's yeah. we've all been through in a certain way uh so it, it was it, it was yeah, special. Go go take a listen, and I think he really opened up, primarily because Jared wasn't there. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. I was biting at the bit <laughs> because I love the guy to death. Um, uh, for me, no, I'm he's on my Mount Rushmore of St. Louis players. Yeah. His his resume speaks for itself. Um, I've played on the field at Herman Stadium against him, um, and his left foot is special. Um, oh, his wow. game is special. Um, I was when you guys were doing it. Um, I was biting at the bit, and then I know and thank you guys for calling me directly afterwards uh, on a group call just to tell me how when it went. And um, you know, not on not on mic. Um, these guys were just so congratulatory over how awesome the the conversation went and the day yep. went with Brad, and that's just. Um, I mean, and it, uh, you know, an attribute go, to his pedigree. I yeah, mean, go, he's phenomenal. Go check it out. Whether you're whether you're involved from a parent level, player level, club level, or you just love the game, or if, frankly, if you love sports, period, and you're looking for a little bit of insight into kind of the uh, mental emotional crossover, it's a, it's a listen. Well, and what I think is great, and I know we're kind of making the transition yep. and the the segue here, but MLS is the topic du jour, and because of the the, the success of City having Brad on earlier this week and now with our current guest yeah. sitting here, which, <laughs> we which ha- uh, we're, we're blessed. Yeah. So we're, we're, I'm coming back to old school, old school season one stuff that was guaranteed a little bit of season two. Yep. And it kind of fell off a little bit where, uh, our walk up music and given that we already indicated today in St. Louis's opening day at uh, baseball heaven, that being Bush stadium. Uh, I thought that this particular track for our guest today, who's been around the game, his whole life and has fed g- literally generations of ear candy uh, <laughs> with his skill sets. Um, here, he, here's the tune. 
and just walk right up onto the plate, Mr. Guest. Here we go. <laughs> Here comes the king. Here comes the king. <laughs> Today we have who's who's going to do the PA announcer? Right? Come on, come on, Jared. Up next, out of St. Louis, Missouri, <laughs> standing at five foot eight. <laughs> Built like a brick shit house, Mister <laughs> Soccer himself, Bill McDermott. Yeah, clap, 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 clap. No, no, please, please, sit down, <laughs> please, sit down. He just tipped his cap, everybody. Thank you very much. And first of all, it is a distinct honor to follow the original, the only number eleven, the finest left-footed player that's ever come out of St. Louis, and that's Brad Davis. Yeah. Now, I go back so far as to say I played high school soccer at McBride yep. with oh, Brad's wow. dad. Wow. And I assure you, Harry, if you're listening, no disrespect, just speaking honestly, I assure you that Brad did not get his talent from his father. <laughs> <laughs> well, we he, have his mom on. He honed that individually. <laughs> and he will tell you the story, and I'm sure he did. I'm sorry I did not catch the segment. I'm sure he told you the story about how he was literally shell-shocked, didn't know where he was when the national anthem was played, when the United States played Germany at the 2014 World Cup, and he was in the first 11. Just sit back and think of that for a moment. A local guy, born and raised, St. Louis through and through, Chaminade, Scott Gallagher, St. Louis University, unfortunately, for only two years. Here he is in a World Cup game, Selected by his coach, Jurgen Klinsmann, former West German slash German all-star, yeah. to be in the first 11 wow. against Germany. It does not get any better. And his era, his years with the Houston Dynamo, he was magnificent. Year after year after year on the MLS, top 11, certainly one of the best players in the league. And when he combined with another St. Louisan, Will Bruin, in particular, playing yeah. for the Houston Dynamo, they were a tremendous duo. Very similar, very similar to Pat Newton, Steve Ralston, and Taylor Twoman, all St. Louisans in their halcyon era with the New England Revolution. So we can always be proud of everybody who's played soccer in the city of St. Louis, but in particular players like that who have gone on to play for the national team, the the epitome of what it means to be a soccer player anywhere in the world, to wear your national team's shirt. Yeah, so here's my first takeaway. You've been on the mic before. You're really good at this. You know that, right? <laughs> just a little bit. We're just sitting here yeah, watching. I mean, I, you know, I'm start, about guys. to ask. I'm about to ask staff if they have any lazy boys, just so we can sit back and like <laughs> turn you loose, this, man. Believe it or not, this started. If you have any concerns whatsoever about it or any interest, I should say, started in 1972. Did an NASL game between the St. Louis Stars and the Dallas Tornado. At oh, yeah. Texas Stadium. And here's how that transpired. Channel 11 had already wow. got a play-by-play man for that particular game. So they were looking for a color analyst. So they call St. Louis University, the athletic department. They speak with Larry Albus, the athletic director at the time. 
And they say, we don't have an analyst. We have a play-by-play man. Frank Gleber, I don't, you're all probably way too young to remember that. Frank Gleber was the Jack Buck of St. Louis. He did the Dallas Cowboys and various and assorted professional sports in Dallas. He was going to be the play-by-play man. They needed a color analyst. So they call St. Louis U. Larry Albus says to me, uh, would you be interested in doing this game on television in Dallas? I said, well, I've never been on television, but uh, yeah, I'll give it a go. Sure. Are you the are you the, uh, the assistant analyst. AD was, at this point? I was the assistant. at the very, very disturbing thought, but nonetheless, I was. That's <laughs> when I came back from art school in Chicago. The only time I've been on uh, St. Louis is when I, went, when I went to art school in Chicago. Uh, that was the early 70s. So I come back and Larry says, well, here's this uh, scenario Channel 11 has presented. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll give it a go. Well, I don't know anything about television. Frank Lieber doesn't know anything about soccer. So fortunately, and oddly enough, the marriage worked out. Almost um, like a perfect odd couple pre- out of the gate. Precisely. Precisely. Nice. Yeah. And it, so it worked out well, and that's that's literally where it all got started. So so let's let's back up just a little bit because you're jumping into the career years. Let's talk about the early formative years and kind of your introduction and participation in the game itself. Uh, because prior to being on the mic, you were on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just kind of bring everybody up to speed. You know, in order to talk about the game, we generally expect the people that do that to have played the game because it makes more sense. Let's talk about your playing years there for a little bit. I grew up in uh, North St. Louis, in the heart of the city, in the heart of <laughs> North St. Louis, at St. Philip Neri's Parish, where if you were Irish and Roman Catholic, you played soccer it wasn't suggested it was mandatory can we write this down that he's not from illinois he's from north county north, north county is county. the same thing as madison county no no, no it's no, not no 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> north city north city i'm not from north county oh north, north city, city. Oh, city. Yeah. you know what the, the i like heart. that even better wallet park is where, where oh was. hell yeah uh, okay the boundaries are calvary cemetery highway 70 uh, riverview and king's highway that's a real Broad ballpark. Of All right, ladies from. and gentlemen, this is our third guest from Missouri. No. <laughs> yeah, there is, no. There's a few more than three. I'm just so. kidding. Go ahead. So I got started down there and um, played uh, all through grade school at the CYC. Then there were there was an, a notion of a select slash academy team. Nothing of that nature. It was all CYC. And due to the CYC, there are thousands of us in St. Louis, literally thousands of us who have gone on to contribute to this game in one fashion or another. And that is due in large part to Monsignors Maxwell, Meyer, Ryan, uh, and so many before them. Monsignor Kennedy at St. Philip Neri, who always used to look forward to us playing soccer in the schoolyard, except when he was trying to hear confessions at 5 o'clock on Saturday afternoon, when we'd be out in the schoolyard hammering the ball off the church wall. He didn't <laughs> care for that. But nonetheless, all right, from St. Fulminary on to McBride High School, where Bob Gelker, uh, the soccer coach at St. Louis University, saw me play and offered me a scholarship to go to St. Louis University, where all my idols went, where I watched St. Louis University soccer from 1959 till the current date. Now, obviously, I wasn't driving in 1959. I was 11. Sure. But all of their coaches in our parish would drive us to fairgrounds to watch St. Louis University play whomever. But always the big game against Michigan State. Michigan State was the opponent at the time. Super Bowl. Yeah, precisely. And the truth be told, St. Louis, excuse me, Michigan State was at the time the first school to really recruit players from 
the St. Louis area. Then it went on to South Florida. Then it went on to Indiana. Now it is literally everywhere. You no longer have a first 11 of St. Louis players, which, which St. Louis University really did to win 10 NCAA championships. That's preposterous that a first 11 on every one of those teams would be from the city that's on the front of your shirt. That's unheard of. Crazy. Yeah. You know, it's funny because we had, um, it, it, well, it's not funny. It's just kind of, it's it's mirroring what you're talking about because we had uh, Coach Kalish on sure. Kevin a little while back. And he talks about the advantage that even into, you know, fast forward to today, mm-hmm. he and uh, local coaches at that level, they have an advantage right here in the backyard that, if possible, he will take as many St. Louis players as possible that that, that fit. Yes, and, and and that's not, you know, it, we're pretty familiar with a lot of the other programs, and you know, and I've thought about it personally. If you look at an IU or take your pick, it's not the same. They don't have a backyard pedigree where they can pull three, four, five players. You know, you know, they're they're hoping maybe get one or two locals, and then they're and then they're shopping. But here in St. Louis, especially back in your day, having everyone. Mm-hmm. It's that's not that's not normal. So when you were playing, because you played on uh, one or two national championship teams, two championship teams, uh, one of which was in 1967, December 2nd, 1967. The game was called off at halftime at Francis Field. We were playing Michigan State, and a St. Louis player, Guy Bush from McBride, who was playing for Michigan State at the time. The game should have never been started. Literally, there was ice floating in the puddles of water on the field. During the game, it's raining, snowing, sleeting, should have never been started. Guy slips at the tip of the penalty area, cannot regain his balance, hits his forehead on the goal post. He's unconscious. Referee goes, that's it. We're caught on offense. One was sobering declared co-champions. Now, oddly enough, the following year, the same thing, the same exact thing happened with Michigan State and Maryland. 1969. This is a this is a great story. Excuse me. Yeah. I think it's a great story. Uh, 1969. We're playing the uh, uh, University of San Francisco. A first eleven of all American players against a first eleven of players from literally all over the world. This was a Tower of Babel for University of San Francisco. We end up defeating them by a score of four nothing. The part of the story that you just can't make up. That was my senior year. It was December 1969. And at that particular time, there were five seniors on the team. The last five seniors that Bob Gelker had recruited to come to St. Louis University before he left to go to SIU were playing at Spartan Stadium on the campus of San Jose State University. The other four seniors and myself, after the game, we took a little time, walked around, looked around, kind of took it all in. It was our last college soccer game. Figuring, well, we'll certainly never be back here. Fast forward to April of 1996 and I'm doing the announcing for ESPN for the inaugural MLS soccer game between the San Jose Clash at the time. Right. They should have never gotten rid of the name Earthquake because they had a ton of equity in it against DC United at Spartan Stadium in San Jose, California. Wow. That's crazy. It all, How special was that for it you? All, it all came full cycle and my producer told me at that particular time, Mike Cohen, who was very astute uh, at television and telling stories. He wanted you to tell a lot of stories. He goes, you by all means 
tell that story. So I do indeed tell that story. And then I get a call a couple weeks later from Seamus Mallon. I don't know if you remember Seamus. Oh, yeah. Chance, one of the, he was the voice. original soccer announcers yeah. in the United States. He said, Bill, I can't believe, of course, I didn't know you then. I can't believe, I was the assistant coach for Harvard when we lost you in the semifinal. Wow. <laughs> this has really come full circle. Well, we, so prior to this, um, uh, our, our date with you, uh, Jared had pulled some, uh, uh, here, let me read. The subject line was really quick. Uh, Whoa, comma, tiny snapshot of Bill. Check out the number of World Cups he's been to. And then I looked at it, and basically what it is, I don't know where he got it from. It's a year, and then it's a description of what you did that year. And it all starts in 1970, and then, I mean, there's maybe three years that are not accounted for, and I'm probably wrong there. You've done... It all, literally, behind the mic, on the television, as it relates to the game, from the NASL to indoor to collegiate. No one, no one has been more fortunate than me in the sport of soccer to be able to play it, to fall in love with it, to get your college education paid for because you're capable of playing soccer, and then having the opportunity to stay involved in the game by broadcasting it. There were very few American announcers at the time when I started in 1972. Very few. And for that matter, there were very few soccer games on television at the time. Now, I had done some radio as well uh, for the station you name it, as a matter of fact, in St. Louis. Uh, but in particular, on television, there were not that many American soccer announcers. But, but when Mike Cohen, I just mentioned his name in a moment ago, when he wanted to get announcers for the inaugural year of St. Louis, he figured, well, like everything else, I might as well go to St. Louis because they have all the players. They have the pedigree, as you've mentioned. I love that word. I use it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> because St. Louis does indeed have a built-in legacy slash pedigree. Uh, Ty Keo, myself, and Phil Shane did the games for ESPN starting. We did the league package from 96 to 02. That was plenty of travel, believe me. Plenty. Wow. But at the time, TWA was a hub here in St. Louis. So consequently, you could fly everywhere in the league Nonstop, which was immense for all that travel. I gotta cut in. I gotta. I, I just have to cut in because I have to ask it. And all this soccer stuff is so awesome. You were in all these World Cups. You went to the majority of these World Cups: Italy, Mexico, West Germany. Who has the best food and who has the best beer? <laughs> best <laughs> like, experience. Like, like, where is the best World Cup you went to? Like, oh, oh that's, that's clearly 1970 in Mexico because. And their Mexican beer is awesome because. That's where he had a chance to see Brazil and Pelé right. in his last World Cup. And that is largely and still recognized as the best national team ever assembled. That was in 1970. So you would have been, what, 22, 23, roughly? In- yeah, yes. So, you, look, bottom line. Thank you, you, thank you, JB, for immediately giving my age away. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I believe we talked about uh, your collegiate years that were in the previous decade. Exactly. Well, excuse de- me, we so, did, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I'm not giving away anything here. Um, you, you, bottom line is, you're young. Soccer is the, the sport that you love, that you play, mm-hmm. that you, you, know, you, you, you achieve the highest level with SLU University. You go to Mexico and, you know, Pele's in the room, right? What's going through your head at, at, at that age, and, and you've got a, you have a responsibility to the actual production? What are you really thinking? Like, how the hell did I end up here, or uh, that, where were Yes, you? that one. 
Yeah. What am I doing here? What is a kid from Walnut Park growing up at 5308 Claxton Avenue off the corner of Claxton and Thecla <laughs> doing at Azteca Stadium watching the World Cup final between Brazil and Italy, which was magnificent in and of itself. However, the semifinal is still recognized as one of the best soccer games ever played. This is Italy and West Germany yep. when Franz Beckenbauer dislocated his shoulder and played the latter half of the game with his arm strapped to his body. Try that sometime. Running with one arm free, the other strapped to your body. But uh, that, I, still, I still remember that World Cup vividly. Uh, my most exciting uh, announcing assignment was the 1998 World Cup Ugh. in France. It was a, was a fabulous assignment. We were in France for five weeks. We did games, literally. We were stationed in Paris, but we did games in Lens, Bordeaux, Saint-Étienne, Montpellier, Marseille, you name it. So we, is that where the food's the best? Without yeah. any question whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> I'll answer that for him. Yes, and, the answer is yes. And we had a uh, we had a guide, functionally guide slash interpreter, who knew every place to go. So she would take us to these places in Marseille and Montpellier, and she knew everybody because she had been doing this with other visiting announcers for other sports. But France at that particular time, magnificent. What's the best? Performance in the World Cup because like for me and I'm not that old as far as I, I wasn't I wasn't at the the the, the seventy World Cup uh, or the I'm sorry the eighty World Cup Zidane Zidane in the ninety eight World Cup I mean it, it, magnificent I mean come on because because uh, uh, for many reasons uh, a number one he's a superlative player one of the anybody will tell you and a lot of people will say he's on their, everybody's all time first 11 yeah. but he had Didier Deschamps Didier Deschamps was the current coach of France mm-hmm. doing a lot of his dirty work and running which left Zidane <laughs> free to find people to do step overs you name it to now, later on life headbutt whoever he feels like <laughs> hey. headbutts Marco Materazzi <laughs> and gets sent off at a World Cup which is an asterisk uh, to his career and it should be, and that was, he has a, uh, he has a bizarre disciplinary record. Uh, Zidane does. He's been sent off many games, but you can't be the captain of your country and get sent off. No, in not in the World Cup. You cannot. Irrespective of m- what Materazzi said about his sister. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was very cordial <laughs> in Italian. Well, I don't, know, I don't, I don't know how frank we can get, but I can tell you what he said. Well, um, well, we are we are uh, proudly an explicit show, so you can. Okay, Matarazzi kept pulling and pulling and yanking his shirt and holding on to his shirt. To which Zidane said, "If you want my shirt, we can change it after after the game." And he said, "No, I'd prefer the shirt of your sister, who is the whore." Oh. And Zidane had that had the proverbial meltdown and. Boom, down Matarazzi went. Here's a five head to a face. And that fam- the famous shot of Zidane walking off the field adjacent to the World Cup trophy, which spoke oh, volumes. Yeah. yeah, it sure did. But Pelé in 1970, uh, Zidane at the 1998 World Cup, uh, Killian Mbappe and Messi at the most Jeez. recent World Cup. And how appropriate, how appropriate for the current game yeah. for the GOAT, if you will, the greatest of all time, and the upcoming next player to be the greatest of all time to meet in well, the World Cup well, final. Wait a second, though. 
Holland didn't play. Holland oh, didn't geez. play. <laughs> Were you at the hand of God in 80? Was it 86? Do we have another Dutch fan here? <laughs> uh, yes, we do. We do no, have a Dutch fan. He grew up in Granite City. Well, now, if he's going oh. to say, if JB's going to say he loves Johan Cruyff, I'm with him there. Oh, okay? I, Cruyff. Oh, well, yeah, oh, absolutely. Can, I'll get behind that. However, I love Cruyff. However, after the, their display at the 2002 World Cup final, oh my God. I lost a ton of respect for Holland, as did Johan Cruyff. He really called them on the carpet. Okay, so we're talking about two different things here that are actually both true. Yes, the Dutch, Holland, are. I love their style and playing Cruyff. Uh, what I was talking about was Erling Holland. The Danish. As the Danish. No, no, Norwegian. No, Norwegian. Norwegian. <laughs> you, uh, he is. JB. Give him a team. He got. <laughs> what did he get? He got five against uh, Leipzig, Leipzig, Leipzig uh, yeah, two, yeah. three weeks ago. Yeah. You talk about the number nine who does not, similar to Klaus, like City, does not just stand in the penalty no, area. Okay, no. flight me a ball, I'll try to head it in. He shows, yeah. never hide a physical game. He's a huge man. He's very agile. He's superb with his back to goal. He finds people. He's good at running at people. He is the player. Now, he's the un- prototype. Unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to see him in the yeah. World Cup. No, along I- with along with Martin Odegaard, who plays midfield mm-hmm. for Arsenal, who is a magnificent player, got his start with the Real Madrid Academy. Wow. And you knew he was going to be going places, and now he's a captain of Arsenal. But those two together, uh, they're going to cause some real damage. They'll be well, here, they'll be here in 2026. Yeah, the next World yes. Cup with the expanded yes. field, they are definitely in. For and, sure. you know, you look at um, – and actually, this is a little, little bit with of, Honduras. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see them play. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you know, let's let's talk a little. Let, let, let's keep going down this path a little bit because you've obviously seen uh, these kind of generational transitions. You know, from Pele at the beginning mm-hmm. of your career uh, to Maradona in '82, and uh, so on and so forth. Keep going through the decades. Well, and Mar- now- Maradona in '82, uh, he was uh, was his first World Cup, and he got sent off in a game against Italy because he was just tired of getting. Kicked. Yep. Now, in nineteen, that was the first hack a shag, wasn't it? Pretty much so. Yeah. He was. He was really. He was targeted. He, he got kicked every t- every time he touched the ball. Okay. Fast forward to nineteen eighty six, in which he did cheat in the World Cup final. Were and you there? I was not at that particular one. I was. I was working at it. I was working it though. I was working for Cam Wex then. Um, he scores a ball clearly with his hand with Peter Shilton running out. There's no way he could have beat Peter Shilton on a head ball anyway. Moments later, he runs through the entire English backfield from his own half of the field. Receives, turns, does a step over, and off to the races he goes. Maybe the best goal in history? Uh, certainly in the World Cup, yes, by all means. It's it's always ranked way, way up there. Yes. Maybe mine. Maybe maybe for me, the best goal in history. Uh, uh, um, singular effort. You know, own yep. effort that that. No, I, mean, I agree because there's there's class. there's so many like iconic goals, uh, be it overhead or other or dead balls, that are really kind of like uh, uh, operational goals, is what I would call them. What he did on that goal <clears throat> was beyond human. <laughs> you know, and, with with the length, the run, the beats, and it's like, and it's against England. That feud yes. started in 1966 <laughs> when uh, Argentina played England at Wembley Stadium, and Sir Alf Ramsey, who by the way played against the United States in 1950, was the coach of England. The players are trying to ch- change shirts at the end of the game, and he famously said, 
my players are not changing shirts with these animals. Yeah. To quote Alf Ramsey at that particular time, mm-hmm. led by Antonio Ratin, their captain at the time, he was sent off. Uh, but that was an intriguing game as well. But, but there, there are generational players. You're 100% right, JB. Yeah, so the, but the, my history might be touch up, but weren't they actually at war at that time? That, the Falklands were after 1966. Okay, yes. Yeah. All right, we're close. Yeah. <laughs> Here, but, but, I, that, but that's what that's what precipitated such the rivalry in 1998. Oh, yeah. Because of the Falklands, uh, because of the uh, 1986 game, because of the 1966 embarrassment at Wembley Stadium. And then David Beckham, unfortunately, and, uh, uh, and unjustly, oh, yeah. unjustly got sent off. If he goes, so does Diego Simeone at that particular time. That's why to this date... I do not like Atletico Madrid because they're coached by Diego. I know that's yeah. juvenile. <laughs> no, no. You want to hear no. juvenile? Let's talk about Kansas City soccer. <laughs> no. And hey, how long comes. did it take me to bring it up? You know uh, what? 32 but, minutes into this yeah. episode, but and for I a while, to say that. For a while, when they built their new MLS stadium. Now, we we did a lot of games early in MLS. We did a ton of games at various football venues. Arrowhead, the Rose Bowl. Giant Stadium, Mile High Stadium. If we get a crowd of twenty to twenty-five thousand, which is very respectable for soccer in the United States, it just—it looks did, like ants in it there. It didn't work. Yeah, no. Twenty-five thousand people at the Rose Bowl. It didn't work. No. So one of the main reasons. I'm sorry, I'm wandering far afield. No, here. no, one go. One of the main reasons for the success of Major League Soccer and how it is literally, literally becoming a part of our overall sporting culture. It's ranking way up there when you come to the overall sports panorama of all the sports. Is it going to become as popular? And in the culture like Europe and South America, probably not going to become that popular. No. But one of the main reasons is the soccer-specific stadium. I agree. But. <laughs> but. <laughs> but. Go so ahead. I, 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 I don't want to divert away from the history you've seen and reported on and and voiced but we did talk about with you and now with brad and now with you this rivalry potentially now that we have our own mls team oh i i'm in st louis i think i know where this is going <laughs> was brad frank about this brad was very frank okay. about this and i know you were a color commentator for SKC for a while, maybe they went. When I, they did, I did some games for them when uh, Bobby Gangler was coaching. Yeah. Yes, so they're suing. Sporting KC is suing an independent podcaster <laughs> for trademark infringement because the podcaster put the soccer capital in his podcast title. Sporting KC has trademarked soccer capital of America. Oh, I did not know that. I did. Not, I have not seen that. Is that and recent? I, well, they said the last they, couple weeks. They, this is the, the feud has started in the last couple weeks. Yeah. But they they claim their trademark goes back what two years plus. Yeah, you know it it really kind of starts with a few years back I, when they I don't know I don't know exactly. I thought when they, they started did. playing soccer in Kansas City two years ago. But here's here's, here's what I'm getting at. Here's, here's where I want to go with you, Bill. Is you have been literally all over the world. You have been to every MLS city. Probably, uh, maybe goodly number expansion yes. teams. Yes. yes. Is there really a competition between Kansas City and St. Louis as far as you use that term pedigree? pedigree. There, uh, there will. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll 
And I'll I, I want this some a good, couple different ways. Yeah. There will be now, there will be a definite geographic makeup between St. Louis and Kansas City and MLS rivalry, no question. But it will also hinge on the fact, and I don't know how many of the current players from St. Louis City know this, that there has been that little bit of a feud because, because St. Louis, excuse me, Kansas City was way ahead of St. Louis, way ahead with reference to MLS. Now, that's due to one person. Lamar Hunt. Lamar Hunt. Yeah. The, fo- the football guy. Lamar Hunt. Yeah, the yeah. guy that owns the Chiefs. Lamar right. Hunt has so <laughs> much Bulls. to do with soccer in the United States. Not just MLS. Agreed. But, but in particular, NASL. But, okay, that's that's. He also topic. made Gracie. Precisely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that's, Cl- that's Clark's God. daughter. But nonetheless. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, there, there's always going to be that rivalry. But... The, the the first, let's phrase it this way, the first soccer capital of the United States was St. Louis. Where it is now, I have no idea. Seriously, and I'm not downgrading Kansas City by any means. I don't know where it is now because everybody plays. However, of one thing we can be abundantly certain, the birthplace of the sport in our country is here in St. Louis, and there is no question whatsoever about that. And it doesn't just date back to the 1950 World Cup team. It dates it way, back. way back to 1875 when the oh, first yeah. soccer game was played here. I don't know when the first soccer game was played in Kansas City, but I assure you it was not before 1875 or anywhere remotely close to it. Probably wasn't before 1950. And this is no disrespect to a very good friend of mine, Tony Toko, who has been coaching Rockhurst for more than 40 years. So are you saying you could get him on here and we could settle the debate? Tony, by all means, positively. Uh, bingo. There you go. Okay. Zach's worried. He's a he's <laughs> No, no, no. I'm excited. Is Zach, is Zach a real Kansas City guy? Oh, no, 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 no. Not at all. I, I just want to make sure. He tries to rain us in is what he does. I just want to make sure that when we make these bold statements <laughs> that we back it up. And from a historical perspective, there's no one that we've ever had other than maybe a couple of folks who run the, you know, St. Louis Soccer Hall of Fame, or who've written books on World Cup, or yeah, who've written books Dave. on yeah. uh, soccer in St. Louis, to hear you talk about it, and you're giving Kansas City more credit than most of our guests have done so far, and I appreciate that. And I and I do, and I will always do that because of what they did with MLS. Yeah, agree. Now there was a time when they were preparing their new stadium, which may I add is fabulous. It is. When they played on a makeshift baseball field, which was absolutely horrible. And Ooh. I remember seeing if that. Peter Vermees were sitting here right now, he'd probably tell you much the same thing. Yeah. Peter Vermees needs to work on his defensive line. <laughs> Currently, and you know what, <laughs> Arrowhead Stadium is going to have some World Cup games in 2026. That's right. Yeah, it's. Uh, we thank them for that. Um, where we normally get into the uh, super mature tussles on social media <laughs> tends to gravitate into the realm of actual player production. Okay. It, it, from a you know a college s- players in D one, oh, MLS players, national team national players. team players, international players. I mean, we 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 called out. We have eleven people from St. Men from St. Louis that have played in the World Cup, and also members in the United States Soccer Hall of Fame. Yes, there are quite a few, more than more than twenty five, uh, and there are players who have uh, in later years. Not from when Bob Gelker started in 1959 and when Harry and Joe Clark and Dan Donegan and Bob Warming and uh, people after him. uh, There are many players now who have come from 
other parts in the United States to sure. play for St. Louis University. Yeah. Keeping that pedigree, that legacy alive. A number one, Brian McBride, and closely followed by Dipsy Salawani from Gaborone, Botswana, who, which is a story in and of itself. He had a pretty good first step. Dipsy Salawani literally sent letters to every college in the United States. Uh, one school answered him. Harris Stowe, immediately across the street from where we're sitting right now. Yep. And St. Louis U, Bob Warming and Dan Downing and the coaches at that particular time, they played him in a spring game. And they said, collectively, who the <laughs> hell is this? First touch, deadly finisher, got on anything in the penalty area. Unfortunately, only played one year. Like Vidata Bisevich, unfortunately, only one year. There's another story. Here... Vidata Bisevich, who scores the goal, the goal to get Bosnia into their first World Cup. Right. What that means to the people in Bosnia from a war-torn country. Yeah. Right. Some of the players literally had their families taken from them while they were right there in their very homes. Some people, some of the players lost their families in bombings, insurrections, whatever. So Vidat scores the first goal to get Bosnia into their first World Cup, and then when they're in Germany in 2014, he scores their first goal for Bosnia in their first World Cup. Fabulous. Watching him play at St. Louis U, he played one year. He was freshman of the year. He got 18 goals. And if he would get a ball in the center circle, don't plan on seeing it again. You better follow him. He's going to make a run. You got to follow him. You had to follow him. And Preferably from as far away as goal as possible. <laughs> well, he, he was magnificent. So, so I think okay. The, what you, you're kind of feeding my own personal narrative here, <laughs> in that St. Louis, uh, whether it's Slough University or our clubs, uh, you know, going back into like the the Kudises of the world and uh, on and on and on and on. We could sit around literally. If you had the time, we could sit here probably for what seven, eight, nine hours minimum, and continue to come up with stories about a Brian McBride, uh, about a uh, when that's actually I take that one back. He was a slew guy, but he's a Chicago kid. Mm -hmm. A Vidad, uh, a um, Brad Davis, Mark Filla, uh, Altrost, on and on and on and on. That that's what that's where I'm going with this thing because I don't want to be like childish and remedial as it applies to Kansas City, whatever. I, I like their town. It's clean. You know, the district's nice, all that stuff. But when it comes to soccer, having a football owner that loved soccer and is invested in it and has helped grow the game and all that and build a stadium and all those things, to me, that's significantly different than going into the youth ranks and creating an ecosystem in which kids develop into these world-class players at the pace that we have. That's always been my yep. kind of rub on this thing. Like, it's one thing to host a World Cup game. It's another thing to have players play in it. Mm -hmm. And case in point, a real case in point, JB, you need look no further than one of the current players on the national team, Tim Ream. Yeah. Tim Ream, who's having a fabulous career this late in his career. They love him in Fulham, oh, similar yeah. to the way they love Brad McBride they, they, and Clint Dempsey prior to it. But at the World Cup, he hardly put a foot wrong. No. Everybody in the world, every team in the world wants a left-footed center back. Now, when he started younger in his career, he was playing a wide back position. He's more comfortable now at center back. But doing superbly in the World Cup, and then that form continued with Fulham. And Fulham no longer in 
13th, 14th, 15th place? No. Oh, no. 6th, 7th, 8th place, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're competing for European play next year. Yes, positive. And he's in the top 11 for sure in the Premier League this year. Yes. Without question. At his position, no question. And uh, Harry Maguire got selected to be uh, in the first 11 for last year's Qatar first 11 World Cup team. Yeah. Well, that settles it. Kansas City, you're still second place, my friends. <laughs> Jimmy, can I hear? What you got? Can we hear a little uh, Leonard Cohen? Oh, yeah. Oh, Everybody yeah. knows. <laughs> I love that. You know what? There is a movie uh, uh, with, um, oh, my God. Who's the crazy-haired guy from the 90s? That Carrot Top? No. <laughs> no. You know what? I, I, I've lost it here. I'm going to play this right now. Okay. Here we go. Mm, 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 love it. That's a great pick. I freaking love this song. There's a, uh, a Concrete Blonde version. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. It's it's brilliant. Is the Pink Panther prancing around right now? That's what I feel like. This is no, no. This is like a dark, eerie version of like, hey, Eddie, it's all loaded. His stuff is real dark. Yeah. Hey everyone, JB here with the Soccer Dad Pod. This break is intended to be both informative and an opportunity. Little did you know that we are accepting sponsors, really. And as a sponsor of the show, you would get to talk to a demographic primarily consisting of parents, some soccer fans, and most definitely drinkers. Consider this an opportunity to let our listeners and social media followers know what it is you do and why you deserve some of their money. If interested in this incredible opportunity, just email us at soccerdadpod at gaslightstl.com. Now, back to the mindless banter. Keeping it going for you, Bill. the large, but you don't really care for music, do you? There we go. You know this one, Jared? I don't. You do, too. Hallelujah. You're going to know it in a second. Yeah. Well, I know it. <laughs> now, in fairness, though, this one I will. This, this one I will definitely say that this version. Oh, yeah. The Jeff Buckley version. The Jeff Buckley version of the Leonard Cohen, which is original. the most popular. It is yes remake of Cohen's original. Yes, but it, it, Jeff, any of you guys, you guys, uh, a Voice or American Idol yeah. fan, yeah, yeah, you all yeah. watch those shows, right? I got kicked off first audition. <laughs> no. <laughs> What'd you do? You sing "Big Balls" by ACDC? Uh, she bang, she bang. <laughs> oh my God. No, this this one though, this this version though, I love those shows because I used to love those shows. I don't watch them anymore. But every single season, you know, you pick your horse. Yeah. Because I wasn't in it for the for the singers. Nah. I would never listen to them on the radio or buy their CD or whatever. Uh, but inevitably, one or two of them would always try this song. You know what I'm saying? And it's yep. like you're just sitting there waiting for the train wreck. And I think. <laughs> Well, this or Bohemian Rhapsody or uh, uh, yeah. uh, 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 here we go, here we go. But the reason, you know, why this is the popular one, right? Because it's the best one. No. Uh, well, enlighten me, Mo. It's Bear. the sad story of Jeff Buckley. Nah, 
I don't know. If Jeff Buckley was still alive today, he'd be 54, 55. This version would still be... I mean, listen. It's good. I, I'm not How taking away How young was he when he passed away? Sir? I don't know what his age was, but he died in that like twenty, early, you know, mid twenty range, I believe. Oh, another Van Morrison <laughs> of what? Yeah. yeah. He tried to swim across the Mississippi in, in Memphis. Uh, let's see here. He made uh, November seventeen sixty six. Passed away May twenty ninth, nineteen ninety seven. Because he tried to swim across the Mississippi in Memphis. There, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, that's kind of like he wanted to be in the 27 club and was like three years late. He was two, years yeah, late. he's 31. All right. Now that we've completely went off the rails here. <laughs> no, but I'm going to throw, throw this out there and you're going to have to find it. In my opinion, the best version of Hallelujah is, is Jeff Buckley. No. Okay. Uh, 2005, I believe. Or no, maybe a little bit later. There was a Haiti relief concert and all the artists would come out and do a live show. Mm-hmm. Kelly Clarkson? Justin Timberlake did a version of this song and it is in my opinion the best of all the Hallelujah versions I've ever heard. Maybe them and Pentatonix but you know my boy band background so you gotta take that with a grain of salt. Now, well, That being said though listen to it and you tell me what you think. Now wait a minute. Is the guest allowed to comment on this? Absolutely. Are you Please do. Justin Timberlake in the same <laughs> sentence with Leonard Cohen? No, 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 no. No, no. Of the remakes. Okay. Just Look, kidding, JT, no. I, I like J, I love JT on Saturday Night Live. I love him in any skit with Peyton Manning, but I'm not going to put him on a, a, in a death match against Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah. He loses all day, every day. Mm, you got to listen to it. Okay, I'll listen to it, and then I'll text you and say wrong. And when you and I'll text, tell you this, I'll, I'll tell you this. <laughs> without Justin Timberlake, Chris Stapleton is not where he is in the pop world. Oh my God! And you know, man you know of what, the woods. I wanted to comment. When Telling you. Talked about uh, Wainwright doing the national anthem. If Kiefer Sutherland and Kevin Costner can have a band, yes, Adam Wainwright can sing the national anthem. Well, sure, so of course. What Waino the last few years has really been digging into his guitar, and um, you know, I, I I know the studio locally here in town that that's actually been recording his oh. album. Like he's taking this very very seriously. Whoa! Um, so he is an up and coming. Uh, he's worked there. He's working in Nashville. Um, yeah. Did you get no. me in? in? Huh? Could you get me in? What do you want to be the doo-wop girl? You're going to be the shaker? Egg uh, shaker? Boy band. Yeah, boy band. <laughs> I, I, I want to ask you a question, though, because I listen to other podcasts. I know. Don't don't yell at me. Cheater. But one of the most recent episodes I listened to of a, a podcast called Smartless had Al Michaels on. Okay. And Al Michaels, to me, is the epitome of broadcasters of, of my generation, our generation. He did everything from the Miracle Game, Miracle on Ice, to Super Bowls, to mm-hmm. baseball, to everything. He said something, and I want to get your, your thoughts on this because it's related to soccer. Okay. When he was doing baseball and even football, he really said, I let the game play out, and I just said what was going on. I, I wasn't trying to do a bunch of filler. I wasn't trying to do a bunch of explanation. You know, no John Madden stuff, <laughs> which was his color commentator partner with soccer it's a little different i think and here's my theory and you can shoot this down with all kinds of ammo most americans who are listening to your broadcast or watching your broadcast still need a little help on the rules of the game on what's actually going on why that's a good play i 
I, and so I'd love to hear I your totally thoughts. I totally concur with that. Now, the way I would fashion it during the flow of a game is if my producer said in my ear, Bill, why was he offside? I would not go through the entire <laughs> – what I would say is – and uh, McBride. In so your wife, or my wife, is your producer? Why was he offsides? <laughs> <laughs> Kelly's I, everywhere. I would say McBride in behind the last defender without the ball when it was struck is whistled up offside. End of conversation. Yeah. And then let's get on with it. But I don't know if Al said this as well, but he is uh, being a television announcer. Is a dramatic very, very different. difference between uh, radio. You let it breathe. Yeah, that's what he said. We have a screen here that people can watch, and the analyst does not have to get into every extreme detail of why Edward Leuven received the ball with the outside of his left so he could transfer it across his body to play the right winger overlapping out of the back. We don't need all this. Describe. His left foot. Is that really his left foot? I thought that was his right. I'm all backwards. <laughs> I, no, I, I appreciate that because I think that's something that – you know, this is new for St. Louis. To be yeah, honest. yeah, it's funny so, that he brings up uh, you bring up Al Michaels. So Al Michaels, the Vin Scullys, the Jack Bucks. For me, uh, Bill, you know, being a soccer guy, living in this city for fifty years, um, you, um, you know, soccer made in Germany. You, you, most people that are real soccer guys in here can close their eyes, listen to you speak, whether it's on TV or on radio, and just become at home because of your voice. Like, your voice is um, uh, is is what soccer is to me growing up. You know, I'm 43 years old. So anything that I've seen on TV, especially in St. Louis, it has been you speaking. So that's a real credit to you, and I want to congratulate you and your long career because – you, for me, in the game of soccer, are in the same mold of Al and, 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 and Jack, no, and, whoa, whoa, and, and that's whoa, phenomenal. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, first of all, thank you for the compliment, but please don't put me in the same sentence as Al Michaels and Jack Buck. Now, well, if you've heard me do a banquet, you've heard Jack Buck, because I've <laughs> stolen everything, everything from Jack. Yeah. But but have, have either of you two... Uh, ever heard Zach do trivia night? Oh boy! Oh no! <laughs> I have to have him repeat questions four, seven, nine, and one. Yes, but he's got the enunciation right. He does have that right. No, but I speaking think, of enunciation, but, real quick, yeah, let's let's, let's do it. Let's do let's. I really want to get into city. Without yeah, that's where I was going. Okay, perfect. You know what? Then I'll do. I'm gonna take a drink. You finish what you were about to say. No, I just I, I think what Jared was saying is bridging that cultural change, which you mentioned earlier. The MLS is bringing soccer into yeah. the homes of way more people than I think they even expected in 1995, 1996. Oh, without any question whatsoever, Zach. But I think a big part of it is folks like you. And I'm not trying to blow, you know toot your horn or blow smoke or whatever you want to say. I think it's because we do think, when we think about baseball, we think about KMOX growing up. Jack Buck and and others in our heads forever. Yeah, I was I literally just was talking to a friend this morning. <clears throat> it baseball KMOX and those voices was like a, a, a an audio Norman Rockwell moment yes. at all time. It always felt like that. Because due in large part not just to Jack, but their entire sports department and their entire on-air talent starting with Jack Carney. True. Yep. 
Bob, uh, Bob Hardy, Jim White, John McCormick, the man who walks and talks at midnight. But then get into their sports department. Jack, Bob Costas, yeah. Ann Deardorff, Bill Wilkerson, Dan Kelly, Gary Bender. Unheard of. For and the guys that are there now, like Tom Ackerman. Tom's you know. magnificent. He's a sports director. Now. Magnificent. And Steve Moore. We're doing a post-game show at the pitch from 10 till midnight because Steve Moore wants more soccer on KMOX and the Odyssey broadcast group. And that's why the Odyssey has picked up every game. So it, it's just another example of, yes, MLS driving this, yes. But unfortunately, Zach, a lot of people, a lot of fans in the United States think that soccer got started in the United States in 1996 because of the World <laughs> Cup. True. Now, MLS it was born in 1996 because of the World Cup in right. 1994. True. Truth be told, the NASL and MLS were direct derivatives of the 1966 World Cup in England and the 1994 World Cup in the United States when the World Cup was in two English-speaking countries. Mm-hmm. It got to the masses a little bit quicker. So that's what... And the naysayers were plentiful when so, the World Cup came oh, to the United yeah. States in 94. You can't award a World Cup to a country that doesn't have a league. They contribute nothing to the overall international game. It turns out to be the most successful World Cup in the history date, of the still. events. 68,991 people as an average. Now... The stadiums were enormous. Giant Stadium, yeah. the Rose Bowl. Okay, we get that. But nonetheless, there were 68,000. But, but they were still people. filled. They were filled and the tele- to capacity. And the ratings were off the charts. Off charts. I, I, I was lucky enough. Uh, my dad surprised me with tickets in 94. We took the we took the trip down to Dallas. Did you, did you see Holland and uh, Brazil? Better. I saw West, uh, West Germany versus South Korea, the ooh. 3-2 game. Ooh, ooh, ooh. It was... Insane. Insane. It was 109 degrees and <laughs> literally like 100,000 people in the Cotton Bowl. And, you know, that was the 3-2 game with Klinsman on the field. Games and were never comfortable at the Rose No, they Bowl. weren't. No, oh, they weren't. My, excuse me, the Cotton Bowl. June 17th, 1994. Remember that date? It's a date the World Cup started in the United States it, in Det- 1994. It was uh, Detroit, wasn't it? It was in Chicago. United, uh, excuse me, Germany against Bolivia. Okay. Remember, Marco Echeverri comes on for about a minute, yes. 10 seconds, and he's sent off. Yep. But the only reason to bring up that date, June 17th, 94, is that we finally think, anybody who's ever followed it, played, watched, coached, announced, this says it. This is going to be on the front page of every newspaper in the United <laughs> States. Not the front page of the sports. The front page of the New York Times, the L.A. Times. However, there's a car chase in California on June seventeenth, nineteen ninety four, big, big old uh, white in a white Ford Bronco. <laughs> yep, big old white Bronco. So we all figured, can we not get any break on this no. sport? Is it, it, not to mention John the, Starks is playing is, in Madison Square Garden. Isn't, but isn't that just the epitome of? Uh, uh, American nationalism, <laughs> you know, oh, you know, where you you get to literally the global stage with that particular event, and here comes OJ down the four hundred five. Four hundred five. <laughs> Let me ask you this: with, with no traffic at the time, which is unusual. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's what blew my mind. I'm like, where's the traffic? <laughs> you mentioned Steve Moore. You mentioned the pitch, which I'll talk about the pitch for a second because your picture. Is at the pitch. Oh, the 67 and 69 team. Night charm, nice looking fella, huh? Yeah. 
So not exactly Warren Beatty and Evan can wait. For those listeners out there, the pitch is the newest soccer bar in St. Louis, and I use that term uh, modestly. It's very nice, yes, well is. appointed, yes, great venue, comfortable, very comfortable, uh, directly across from the stadium in Union Station. In there, they have a, a couple different shrines mm-hmm. to St. Louis soccer. One of them is to St. Louis University. Our own here, man, Bill McDermott. Men and women. Yes, men and yeah. women. Uh, the, all the championship teams' pictures are are on the wall, and so you can you can walk down there and, and see Bill uh, when you come to the game on Saturday. <clears throat> but you mentioned the broadcast side of things. Steve Moore, we've met with Steve. Uh, very excited about what Odyssey's trying to bring. Soccer is for Saturday, or Saturdays for soccer. Have you met with Joey and and Shilly? Uh, Dale's a very good friend of mine. Uh, Joey, I know Joey because an answer, I'm sorry, an answer to your question. Don't evade the question, Bill. I met him for the first time, the first game. Okay, they were on the show, but I coached his sister Mia on a Scott Gallagher team. All right, and Mrs. Zanaboni, I did some work. She's the director of development for Rockhurst. I did some work for her. I emceed. I hosted a couple things. And she asked me if I would give a tape of Joey doing a baseball game to Costas. I said, I'll I'll be glad to. I didn't listen to it. I didn't know Joey had these bits going. Oh, he's (laughs) a character. He's entertaining for sure. And I think that. He's excited. Yes, he does. He's excited. Well, let's let's talk about the team. Yes. Um, We have. I think we, you in particular here, you've done a brilliant job of kind of setting the table over the past 40, 50 years, literally. And now here we are in 2023, uh, the culmination of St. Louis's long overdue wait <laughs> for its own team. Uh, let's, let's go to the first inning of this. Speak to the ownership group when we were awarded the team and kind of your the momentum that was occurring mentally emotionally for you knowing it's time with this with this group of owners with this location you know what was going through your mind and like you know well I'll let tell us you, know where that fo- where you fell I'll, I'll give you a first-hand revelation of that jb because after the first attempt at it when jim cavanaugh was going to do something with mls for mls to get an mls team after the uh acceptance of st louis fc the games at the soccer park were fabulous by the oh, way so much fun great enjoyment tremendous entertainment and some pretty good quality soccer okay oh, yeah. no it wasn't la league it wasn't english premier league we never said it was going to be but it was entertaining it was good quality stuff so jim uh with some out-of-town partners is going to try to get an mls team here and that's when the attempt to bring mls here went before a vote in the city of st louis everybody said all the people who were involved in it you get twenty thousand votes it's a given well they get twenty three thousand votes unfortunately the opposition got thirty one thousand votes and jim that night said to the assembled people who came down to hear the end result of the vote at the hotel at union station i'm sorry to tell you but we do not have a plan b so i confronted jim afterwards i said come on jim they certainly do so i'm telling you we do not have a plan b consequently mls was dead at that particular moment and i thought oh what year was that uh that was 2016 uh, 17 2016 17 yeah okay okay we're upon which now uh, um, 
I'm not going to go through this entire story because that's way too long for your podcast. But nonetheless, the Taylor family expressed some interest in getting involved in soccer, and they get in touch with Jim about possibly having a lunch together. To uh, We'd like to revisit this uh, soccer thing. Jim said, that'll be fine. We'll do that. So the Kalanoff family, uh, well, Jim meets with the uh, Taylor family and some representatives from the Taylor family, and Jim gives them all the hard, hard facts, numbers in particular, expansion fee, stadium you have to have a soccer specific stadium and by the way as opposed to years past it's mandatory that it now be in downtown downtown yep. in your downtown area at a downtown centralized location okay the taylor say we'll, we'll we'll entertain it sure enough they get back to jim's let's go for it long story short the original press conference was in 2018 yep at the uh, matthews dickies boys club which may i add was a perfect venue for it because that's where we grew up playing for St. Fulton at Penrose Park, mm-hmm. the original soccer mecca in our city, contrary to what all my friends say to me. <laughs> Nonetheless, fast forward again. Two years later, this whole thing is accomplished. St. Louis gets awarded down at the Palladium. Don Garber's in town. St. Louis gets awarded the 28th team. Now, fortunately for St. Louis, they get granted an extra year because of the pandemic, COVID, yeah. which turned out to be golden for St. Louis. Not just in the fact that they were to assemble players and bring them in in May, June, July of last year to play with City 2. And at that particular time, there was no MLS team these players would go up to on a certain weekend. They stayed together for the entire year and got into the final for MLS Next Pro for right. the first year of a team. It's unheard of. Well, they didn't. They weren't forced to get um, a lot of the uh, non-held players. Uh, and I don't want to say this uh, uh, being rude. They they didn't. They didn't have to get the rest of the league scraps that they were going to let go. So they had time to assemble this team. And, and time they took advantage of because it has came to fruition because these kids yeah. are hammers. Positively, and they're tremendously well-assembled. And there is one person, one person who put this team together. Later, when Bradley Carnell was hired as the head coach, he had input as well. But Luch Fanningsteel, at the very outset, got all these players from literally around the world, majority of whom he was comfortable with because he knew of them. Player, but Edward Leuven, who he brought over as a designated player, and Klaus, who is a designated player. Designated player concept for our listeners being it's that. David yeah. Beckham started the concept. By the way, when the history of Major League Soccer is written, there should be a chapter do- devoted to David Beckham. Yeah. I always think he's going to be a number seven, not a number 23. They wore for the Galaxy. He's seven <laughs> for England. Yeah. He's England's captain. Designated player's salary is, has nothing to do with the salary cap. It's between the player, the agent, and the owner. So whatever it turns out to be, you can have so many of those on your particular team. And those two particular players, Klaus and Eberl Leuven, and the goalkeeper Roman Berkey, right down the center of the field, right down the spine, those are the three players, I think, along with along right. with some tremendous performances by everybody else who's been inserted into the first 11. I think those three players are carrying the team right now. Let me let me follow up on the whole Lutz um uh, phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I want to tie this into the grander story that we've been telling this whole time. Uh, you know, our our love affair with our hometown mm-hmm. and the pedigree that we've had here. And, you know, we, we waited forever for the team. We got the team. We had the right ownership group, uh, you know, the perfect 
ownership group at the end of the day to make this work. Incomes, and we call him LP because generally speaking, we screw up the pronunciation of his name. So <laughs> in comes LP and starts to assemble this team that we've seen five games in mm -hmm. and puts his stamp on the even the academy process and the whole mindset. And to be clear, it is not a St. Louis ideology. It is not born out of what we have have all lived with. What's your thoughts on, you know, the acceptance rate of what Lutz has done up to this point and, and kind of what he's doing to the image of soccer right here in the backyard uh, with the style of play and everything he's doing with the team compared to what we've been used to for a hundred plus years? Well, and I think, JB, as a direct follow-up to that question, St. Louisans have to be mature enough to accept the fact that, yes, some people, other than people who grew up in St. Louis, do know something about soccer. I don't Han, know about that. Hans, Fact check. Holy <laughs> shit. Hans Strandl with the Zenhofer Furriers. George Mihalovic with White Star, which is a largely, largely unrecognized part of the history of St. Louis soccer, the White Star Soccer Club. Mm -hmm. But Lutz comes in with his own no notion, his own ideas as to how he wants it to happen. He wants... He's going to pl pick players from the academy, and we're going to bring some of them up to be on the full MLS side, and that has indeed happened. Yeah. A number one, case in point, Kyle Hebert, who's a starting center back and who has been Woo fabulous playing alongside of Tim Parker. God, did he hit a home run with that son of a gun? Oh, positive. I mean, how oh, clean yeah. has he been? And, and Parker is no nonsense at center back, so is Kyle. Now, Kyle, he'll give you the ball out of the back. You win a 40, 50-yarder. On the ground, at your feet, in the center circle, Kyle Hebert's going to distribute that to you. But Leuven... And he can recover so well. Very quick. And Leuven, neither one of them will hide in a physical game either. No, no. And your first, your last defender, but your first offensive player is Roman Berkey. One of the goals scored in their last game was Roman Berkey coming to the tip of his own penalty area, yeah. rolling the ball on the ground to Leuven, who sends a long diagonal ball to the left-wing corner flag. Klaus runs onto it, wins a corner kick. Uh, Giochini scores on the, on the ensuing play. That starts with Berkey's awareness to get the ball back. And play. We wanted up into the other team's penalty area with two, three, four, five passes. Max, let's get on with it. So, so, so let me let me let me kind of add a part two to my question, because 100% agree. We all know that you know we, we bring in uh, uh, outside talent into our backyard. There's a ton of people that know the game and are very very good at it. Do you think that, um, and this is maybe a little bit more of like a historical reference question here, do you think that it's, it, it's accelerating in its success uh, thanks to this foundation, this, this uh, community, this, this uh, uh, pedigree and, and, and all that? Do you think that because of St. Louis and everything that we've done in, 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 this, in our community uh, uh, mojo, is is kind of a, a secret sauce to his success as well? Yes, it, it positively has something to do with it. We are all, every one of us, I said this a moment ago, players, fans, spectators, announcers, coaches, whatever, we are all standing on the shoulders of thousands of other players who made their name internationally and nationally, but starting to play in the city of St. Louis. And... If there's going to be professional soccer in the United States, St. Louis has to be a part of it. But yes, when your MLS team is successful, 
I think that breeds success for every type of level that you're playing for, playing with. Academy, this. select, so, whatever. Jared wore a suit coat for the first game at the new stadium. <laughs> and I'm not making fun. I'm, I'm, this is a very serious question. He had tears in his eyes when I saw him. Because uh-huh. he felt that. He felt like he was walking in astride the shoulders of so many coaches that he had, so many players if, that he played with. If you think otherwise, you're naive. I, agreed. So I want to know about your personal side of this. The community obviously has a, has had a major impact on your life. Mm-hmm. You've you've experienced highs and lows within St. Louis. From a community standpoint, we're the Soccer Dad Podcast. Mm-hmm. The capital T, capital H, capital E. Trademark. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about the human element right. of this game as it relates to the community of St. Louis? Any stories? I mean, gosh, Bill. I mean, the stories you've only told... Uh, uh, so far well it all starts uh, I think I mentioned it just briefly in passing a moment ago that it all started with CYC now CYC soccer right now is it of real consequence probably not but it is still an outlet for players in CYC boys and girls to play now like everything else that has changed in our society we've gone from CYC select academy MLS Next, USL, USL1, USL Championship, eventually MLS, and then eventually you're trying to you're, you're trying to build players to represent your country in World Cup. You're trying to be a better soccer playing nation. Uh, but I think in St. Louis for sports, the two pillars of longevity for sports in our community have been and have always been baseball and soccer. Yeah. And soccer, because it was so simple, played by very... There's really not enough time left to go into the whole scenario, but immigrants, players coming yeah. from different parts of the United States, mostly the East, to play for Zenhofer Furriers, Skull and Steel, Sticks Baron Fuller, and then the players somewhat working for those particular companies and then playing on the weekends for those companies so the sport was born and raised here so it's inevitable it's inevitable i think that by having an mls team it's more awareness for the sport you see much more awareness now as it should be on television radio daily newspapers tom timmerman's doing a fabulous job of covering st louis city but i think it's only obvious this is not an expansion team it's a homecoming. Oh, I absolutely. That. Oh, That's well we said. Go. That's well said. Hey, um, you, should, you know what you should time. do, Bill? You should, no, you should no, think about being a, an announcer for soccer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you're, you're pretty good on a mic. Well, you know, you have a future in this. I, I, as I mentioned to you a moment ago, I am the most fortunate person that grew up playing soccer in St. Louis because I grew up playing let soccer me, in St. Louis. That's why this opportunity was afforded to me. Let me take this to a personal side. Um, you know, you've talked about, we've all talked about our own feelings about this experience. I know that you're out at Soccer Park a lot because you now have, you know, your grandkids are in the mix. Mm-hmm. How fun is it, you know, knowing and living the life that you've lived around this game? And now you see them, you know, putting on the kit, putting on the shoes, going out, and, you know, they're entering into a realm, a world in which. The upside potential is unlimited when it comes to the game. How exciting is it for you, just from a from a grandpa standpoint, 
you know, watching this baton continually be tossed down. Tremendously so. My wife, Connie, is sitting adjacent, and she will tell you that we go watch our grandchildren uh, play every sport, but soccer in particular, because <laughs> my car knows how to get to the soccer park instantaneously. <laughs> is, is it, is it kind of like, yeah, what was a TV show? Uh, Kit, home. And, it, and your Trans Am drives you straight to Instantaneously. the soccer park? Instantaneously. But it's, it's so gratifying. Everybody in the world, everybody in St. Louis said, well, McDermott's going to force his grandkids to play soccer. <laughs> I wanted to be just to the contrary. So I said to any of them who wanted to play sports, and in particular soccer, I said, please, I'd like you to try this. Please try it. If you don't like it, I certainly understand. But you've seen all the people I met and what I've been able to do, where I've been able to go, the friends I made, so on and so forth. You owe soccer. Just give it a go. You owe your life to soccer. Positively. You know, it's how I, I paid my way through college and it afforded me so many things after college. Okay. Yes. By, by vocation, I'm a graphic designer who designs logos. By avocation, I'm a soccer announcer. Where do you think I've had the most fun? I think everybody knows the answer to that. <laughs> I have to go off. I'm going to guess on the bit. golf course. Uh, <laughs> a mutual friend of mine, a yes, mutual sir? friend of ours, mm-hmm. told me that you love Rodney Dangerfield. He's one of your favorite comedians. Uh, my wife said she's one of the love. I said, okay, honey, you make the first move. She, she, went, to, she went to Florida. You know what my and, mom used to tell and me? And your wife is literally over there like, oh, my God. I asked my, I asked my wife what she expected out of our relationship. She said a way out. You know, my, my mom used to tell me I was so ugly when you played in the sandbox, the cat kept trying to cover you up. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was so ugly when I was born, the doctor slapped me. The nurse has got a couple shots in, too. <laughs> uh, my wife wanted to liven up our sex sex life. She wanted to get a water bed. I call it the Dead Sea. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Well, I really don't know how to ask, ask a question. I don't know that. how we. Yeah, I, I do. You know, we wandered far, far <laughs> afield. Shame Love on it. me if I don't bring this up because I do want to take a second here and actually, I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, this weekend on Saturday. You have been invited uh, to. MC, uh, a game that will be played at Soccer Park mm-hmm. between your beloved SLU University Billikens and those other guys from Indiana, Indiana University mm-hmm. uh, in honor of uh, the Living Legacy Foundation. For Scott Gallagher, right. So talk about uh, how that came to fruition. Uh, you know m- probably all of the names that are part part of I the do. Living Legacy Foundation. Give us give us the Bill McDermott uh, excerpt of Living Legacy in this weekend and what you're going to be doing. The Living Legacy uh, is directly associated with Scott Gallagher, Kip Thompson, Jim Cavanaugh, Kenny Godet. Everybody's done a fabulous job with this. Uh, if Scott Gallagher wants me to do anything for soccer at the St. Louis Soccer Park or wherever, I'll do it. If J.B. Marine wants me to do something for soccer, I'll do it. If Lou Fuse wants me to do something for soccer, I'll do it. But this is uh, this is a real homecoming for me, if you will, to be able to go to the soccer park as often as possible. But now, have a chance to talk with uh, Jim Mayer is doing an event. He wants me to talk with yeah. Todd Yagley and Kevin Kalish. Just a you know, 10, 15-minute primer before the teams go out in the field. Uh, where's college soccer now? Uh, is it still a pathway for the American player, to which I resoundingly say yes. Absolutely. The academies, the select, MLS Next Pro, that is not for everyone. We're not in Europe. We're not in South America. 
that's not going to be the pathway for everybody. Right. Some people, it certainly is. It's fabulous. That's available to us. But college soccer is always going to be there. Uh, and to watch Indiana play St. Louis U and see Kevin's team against Todd's team and to see some of the players from St. Louis who went to Indiana, some have come come back now to play for St. Louis U, and to see a Todd, uh, the name Yegley in American soccer and in your collegiate soccer is soccer royalty. Jerry Yegley started with a club program in Indiana. We played them when I was a junior in 1968 up at Indiana University. Little did we know at that particular time that now in 2023 that have eight NCAA championships, having most recently played in the final last year, just losing a penalty kick. Yeah, unlucky. Here's totally an, unlucky. Here's another case in point, JB. Rutgers. Rutgers <laughs> won the NCAA championship. I beg your pardon? Now, yeah. Marshall, two, three years prior to that, playing in Marshall, Indiana. In Marshall the was the one that I was like, what? What? Yeah, the, I the thundering that. herd. Yeah, I am, I'm waiting for now, uh, you, We Are Marshall, the movie Bill, to come you, out. You mentioned a, 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 a short, se- short segment with, with Kalish and Yaley. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be like a mediation after the, <laughs> the, no, the I game think, this fall? No, they're, they're, they're good friends. <laughs> they're good. And they, okay, good. Yeah, has, has Kevin lost some players to Indiana? Yes. Has Todd yes. lost some players to St. Louis? Yes. But, 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 but technically, <laughs> isn't Indiana really the Trojan horse? Because this is our back. It's the three-one-four, and they're coming in, and we know it. Well, because Kevin, <laughs> Kevin and, and Todd have a wonderful relationship, no, I, I, and, I, I, and a lot of players and a lot of people from both their programs have been associated with yeah. St. Louis Scott Gallagher. You think Danny Donigan would have liked to have Pat Noonan? What do you think? <laughs> By the way, well, who will be in town, uh, what, two, three weeks when Cincinnati's here? That's right. Yeah. So what I, I want to go back to real quickly, though, um, Living Legacy Foundation. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you know the cause. Um, yes. You know, how does, how does it make you feel to be part of an event um, where you, you, you're simply helping more kids play the game? Um, you know, talk about the foundation itself and the value that brings to the soccer community for the youth. It's learning via the sport of soccer. It's creating friendships and commitment to a bigger cause through and via the sport of soccer, to which I say more power to the sport of soccer. But most importantly, most importantly, I think with reference to the Legacy Foundation for St. Louis Scott Gallagher, it's recognizing people who played far, whose families were literally torn apart. I know I know directly how families feel. Uh, we lost a daughter when she was 24 years old. I know how that feels to families. You never recover from that. But soccer in some way is helping you to do just that. And we're, we are recovering and remembering these people. A grief counselor told us that death is the end of a life, not a relationship. So St. Louis Scott Gallagher and their Legacy Foundation is catering to those families who were involved with the program, by honoring them and keeping their names eternal. Let's Bill, go. I, I, well, I, I have to let's say this. Go. I, this has been such a special experience for me to hear your voice talking and telling these stories of, of decades of some of the most pivotal moments in this sport, and yet you bring it back to, again, the personal notion of the community yep. and how this game has not only transformed your life, but has, has been so impactful for so many people. And that's what I think, the fact that we've been doing it, this is our 37th episode, 
Yeah, about 35 more than I thought we'd get Absolutely. In. <laughs> and the main reason is because of people like you who keep telling their story and people that are still listening. And I just wanted to thank you oh, very, very yeah, seriously. I, I, as I said on. just a moment ago, Golly, that's well if, said. if it's for soccer, I'll do it. Yeah. Well, gentlemen. Thanks, guys. It was a real treat for me. Thank I, you. I got, this, I got this one out here for you. <laughs> you ready? All right, people. Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins. This Kenny, is Kenny. the same thing as where you're here. William Tell's Overture. <laughs> yeah. The, the definition of an intellectual is, can you listen to the William Tell Overture and not think of the Lone Ranger? No. no. Can you not think of Caddyshack? <laughs> what does he right. say to the guy in the, in the bar? Oh, I like your hat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, looks good on you, though. <laughs> hey, Ringo, take some lessons. Bill McDermott. I'm sorry, Jamie. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't don't ever lovely. apologize to me. I, I deserve everything that I get at this point in my <laughs> life. So, look, you've been a rock star. We, hey, Schmales. Yeah, there you go. Let's, uh, I park I, my car, lose some weight, and get a haircut. <laughs> here's what we're going to need to do. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, we're going to bring you back. We're going to bring Anytime. you back. You know, let's, let's get through some more this season. Uh, let's sniff where we're at. Maybe another 10, 15 games down the road. Anytime. Love to have a recap. Um, thank you for your time. You know My what? Pleasure. St. Louis. I'm going to speak on behalf of St. Louis soccer history. It thanks you for everything that you've done. Absolutely. Uh, we've been extremely honored to have you here. These stories are uh, just, you know, enlightening. and It just makes people feel good. Well, so, and, and one more thing, too. St. Louis Soccer Hall of Fame induction ceremony is tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. And you are a member. I'm a member, and I'm going to uh, MC that And you're MCing night. tomorrow night in addition to your duties on Saturday. Oh, so. yes. I tell you what, do us a favor, because uh, we bought a full-page ad. We did, yeah. <laughs> so oh, make sure you point out to everybody. Like, By the way, speaking <laughs> of a soccer weekend, uh, the Hall of Fame tomorrow night. MLS Saturday night, yes, Indiana St. Louis shoes Saturday afternoon, and then City Two yes. on, Sunday. on Sunday afternoon. That's right. Well, it's not. And so the fifteens and seventeens are at the MLS GA Cup precisely week. Yeah, and your squad's playing Arsenal. You mentioned to on me. Monday. On Monday. Very nice. It, it's nonstop. You know what? Actually, all this is just indicative of everything that we've been saying. It won't stop. The baton has just constant. It's never been dropped. It's just been kind of fumbled a little bit in certain periods. But right now, it's definitively been passed to a much better generation. And it's thanks to people like yourself. Agreed. So, well, um, I'm, I'm the recipient of being able to watch <laughs> play at Heine Miney against St. Ambrose and White Star play against the Chicago Swabins and then watch St. Louis University play Michigan State. I'm the recipient. Well, I tell you what, Bill, I will see you around the, the soccer park, I'm sure, chasing around the little ones. Yes. Uh, looking forward to it. Good luck tomorrow night at the Hall of Fame. Thanks, uh, Jimmy. And uh, good luck Thank Saturday at Living Thank Legacy. You. Thanks, guys. You guys be good. Give us a follow. Spotify, Apple, all those usual suspects. Um, that's it for today. We'll see you. Here's a little Kenny Loggins. <laughs> <laughs>